You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. I'm your host, Zubair Akram, with my guest, Sheikh Ridwan Muhammad. Today, 8th of Ramadan, 30th of March, 2023. Iftar in Glasgow today is going to be at 7.57 p.m. Iftar is going to be at 7.57 p.m. And this, uh, on 8th of Ramadan, Thursday, inshallah, we will continue with our uh, uh, tafsir, or can I say, a conversation, a discussion around the surah of the Quran that we've chosen for this month. Uh, for this year of Ramadan is Surah Alak. So let, let's go and kind of uh, listen to the, the first few ayahs of Surah Alak and it will be over to Sheikh Rizwan after that to expand on some of the meanings of what we've been discussing uh, in this month. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids a servant when he prays? Have you seen if he is upon guidance? or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Shuru Allah ke naam se jo bein tahar rahim karne wala aur rahim hai. 
پڑھو اے نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم اپنے رب کے نام کے ساتھ جس نے پیدا کیا جمے ہوئے خون کے ایک لوتھڑے سے انسان کی تخلیق کی پڑھو اور تمہارا رب بڑا کریم ہے جس نے قلم کے ذریعے سے علم سکھایا انسان کو وہ علم دیا جسے وہ نہ جانتا تھا ہرگز نہیں انسان سرکشی کرتا ہے اس بنا پر کہ وہ اپنے آپ کو بے نیاز دیکھتا ہے حالانکہ پلٹنا یقیناً تیرے رب ہی کی طرف ہے تم نے دیکھا اس شخص کو جو ایک بندے کو منع کرتا ہے جبکہ وہ نماز پڑھتا ہو تمہارا کیا خیال ہے اگر وہ بندہ راہ راست پر ہو یا پرہیزگاری کی تلقین کرتا ہو تمہارا کیا خیال ہے اگر یہ منع کرنے والا شخص حق کو جھٹلاتا اور منہ موڑتا ہے کیا وہ نہیں جانتا کہ اللہ دیکھ رہا ہے ہرگز نہیں اگر وہ باز نہ آیا تو ہم اس کو پیشانی کے بال پکڑ کر اسے کھینچیں گے اس پیشانی کو جو جھوٹی اور سخت خطا کار ہے صدق اللہ العظیم دس از سورہ الک نائنٹی سکس سورہ آف قرآن کچھ وی ہیو چوزن ٹو ڈسکس فار دس منتھ آف رمضان ان ٹوینٹی ٹوینٹی محمد السلام علیکم شیخ وعلیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ شیخ yesterday we left this conversation with a, a rather maybe i would say a tangent uh, i'm not sure if it is directly connected but it was an interesting conversation which is that um nabi sallallahu sallam and all anbiya uh, at large is it kasabi or wahabi meaning you attain the station because you have worked hard you have identified your call that this is your call for your life and then you start developing yourself knowing with some intuition uh, with some kind of feeling that this is what you are uh, destined to do or ambiya were chosen to do the task and then they kept themselves on the path which kept them or which put them to uh, they they conform to the standards of prophethood mm. yeah yeah so that's the, that's that's the conversation and if i remember correctly i don't know if you quoted ibn khuldun i'm not sure if ibn khuldun in his muqaddima he also kind of dabbles into this that it is it kasabi and wahabi and people say that ibn khuldun is of the opinion that even nabuwa is kasabi mm-hmm. to an extent it's not wahabi mm-hmm. um it, it's bit of this and bit of that it's not from yeah so <clears throat> i think i don't know if you if that's the reason why you asked the question yesterday but um So this issue, in, in terms of the revelation of the Qur'an and the Prophet Sallallahu being chosen, we know that um, the, there is ikhtiyar, um, and I, I kind of think mm-hmm. mentioned yesterday that the Prophet Sallallahu has numerous names, and one of the names is Al-Mustafa, which is the one that is um, pure and chosen and, and free of blemish, but mm-hmm. also is the one that's chosen because of that. So, it's, it's, um, so when you choose something, you know part of it you're choosing like if you're going to <clears throat> you're going to do iftar today you go to the supermarket and you choose the best 
fruit or the best um, produce mm. you know the reason why you choose it is not it doesn't become good because you chose it it is good and therefore you chose it mm. and so if you take the the example of the prophet ali being chosen by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala part of it is that he was the best of creation he was the best most suited the best lineage the best ge geographical location you can you can you can actually <clears throat> extend this in numerous ways ge geographically he was not in the center of civilization he was on the, on the outskirts close to the civilizations of the world that were uh, essentially even to this day we understand them to be pivotal in the development of human reason and and thought and ideas mm. generally you know not to underestimate south american civilizations or aboriginal civilizations but there's no competing civilization that was axial you know pivotal and the prophetism wasn't in the center of it he was on the periphery of it connected to it to the point that he could travel um on caravan journeys to trade with the people of those civilizations so mm. prophecy, the prophecy he was at touching distance almost if you think of him when he's going to with his um uncle to the the trade routes to Sham, for example. He was in Syria, touching, yeah. yeah. He was in touching distance of that. He was in touching distance of all the trade routes that were there, the Byzantines, the, the, the Sassanid Persians. These were the great civilizations that had a constant struggle between themselves. And so he Sayyidin was placed in, 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 a, in a specific location where he was perfect to be able to touch those civilizations from a distance but be pure enough and unlettered enough remember we're talking about the prophet being a nabi al-ummi the unlettered prophet enough for there to be a very strong case for him to be a miracle in of himself the prophet was a miracle him walking aisha mm -hmm. said that he was quran he was his embodiment was the embodiment of the quran ethically so he was a miracle of himself, a miraculous individual. And so from one aspect, he was chosen by Allah and placed in a specific place. He didn't choose his parents. Allah chose his parents for him. But then, <clears throat> if you think of this interesting thing, that the Prophet ﷺ, he's meeting his taqdeer with tawfiq, because the taqdeer is Allah has decided from pre-eternity that he's the prophet, of, final prophet of God. Mm -hmm. And the... And the and the tawfiq is that he is doing things that are sinking in with what Allah wanted him to do. And mm. what is I mean, this is, so this is interesting, uh, just an uh, interjection here. So tawfiq, the, the definition of tawfiq, uh, just to refresh um, my memory, the tawfiq means when your will is in sync with Allah's will. Yeah, God's or will. Your, your action. Your action and your 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 life and your everything is is in sync with not what God wills but God what God wants is is yes. probably because in in Aqeel, they do have a kind of slight differentiation. It's what Allah would be pleased for you to do, and it is going in the direction of what Allah is, is pleased for you to do, and that's tawfiq. Mm. You know, imagine imagine you're cycling, imagine cycling up a hill, mm -hmm. imagine cycling down a hill. You know, a nice gradient down or a steep gradient up. Mm -hmm. and, and a lack of tawfiq is to go up a hill and their whole life is like that. The qadr and qadr of Allah is, is, and his pleasure is in one direction, you're going in a complete different direction. For it to go smoothly, you go into, into, into a direction which Allah has already indicated is the path. But the difference with prophets is that 
they cannot obviously they don't know that they're prophets but everything comes together to put them in the right place at the right time so that they meet their qada and qadr they meet their decree ready <laughs> so when every single prophet even the prophet Musa despite the fact that he was in the most difficult of situations you know he met his taqdeer his, his, his decree of being a prophet of Allah the prophet Isa every single prophet of Allah meets their decree and so with the Prophet what's interesting is that the, the beginning chapter, which is Iqra Bismi Khalaq, actually just I, I think if you think about the words, mm-hmm. read O Muhammad, which is asking you to do kasb, which is asking you to acquire something. You have to do something. Mm-hmm. Allah's not downloading the Quran upon him without him engaging with it. Mm-hmm. Iqra is for the Prophet to read, mm-hmm. meaning recite. Um, but that's kasbi, isn't it? That's you acquiring something, it's you doing something, it's you striving as a human being. You're acquiring yeah. his acquisition, kasb. And then the other thing is bismi rabbika, in the name of your Lord, which is wahhabi. It's like you cannot, you will not be, O Muhammad, be able to read and recite unless you open it with the key of bismi rabbika. It's like this is like the, you know, the kind of the meeting point of kasb and wahhab. Like the meeting point of the two oceans of human volition and choice and ability coming into a unison and um, your connection with what God decreed and wants. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, when in your own life, if you ever get to the point where you and what you're doing is in complete unison with what God would want you to do, you've attained the, the, the key to paradise. That's like the secret. Um, that's like the, um, the the water of life, if you'd say eternal life. Yeah. Because mm. Jannah essentially is, you know, people always talk about um, living forever and elongating their life. And then I was re- listening to a podcast recently about, you know, old age being nothing more than a disease, but you can actually placate and postpone. And, you know, they were saying not eradicate, but almost eradicate. Because it's a it's a degeneration, and you can you know you can reverse that. But the, in reality, jannah is exactly that, and jannah is your 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 ability to to live forever. Because our belief in jannah is that it's is khalidina fiha abada. It's a it's an etern, eternal, continuous existence, and so you know in our own lives, leave aside the the, the chapter we're at. If you're able to acquire actions. And decisions mm. and intentions that are in unison with what God would love you to do, would mm. want you to do, not what God has decreed, because God decrees everything, the good and the bad and the ugly. Mm. You know, everything mm. is by nothing happens except by the decree of Allah. Earthquakes, famines, humans have an, a part in it, but human, like for example, in Turkey, this this tremendous earthquake that took place is part and parcel of the natural form of the of the of the planet that that happens. But humans choose uh, choose to remain on places where there is tectonic activity, and they're in that sense cusp as well. So, <clears throat> one of the amazing things about um, this chapter is that it ties in the issue of acquisition and human choice and volition and freedom with this idea that part of it cannot be done except with this special key. It's almost as if it's in, it's like in the in the context of Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq, 
It's as if Allah is saying you will not be able to read and recite and convey this message and fulfill this prophetic um, legacy that you have unless you do it with our aid. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a like, command. There, there's a command to do, but there's also a command to recognize that you can't do it without me. Exactly. Perfect. That's better than how I expressed it, because I always struggled in Ramadan to express ideas. But that's exactly what it is. You will do it, but you will not be able to do it without this key. And what's the key? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. You need um. You know, a, a whole team of people to teach you. It's not that you need a whole uh, institute that teaches. Um, recitation and tajweed and and maqamat and and existence of the Quran and you know nowadays no one person can even teach the Quran properly because it, there's so many sciences you know mm. language and grammar and sarf and balagha and 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 um, mm. maqamat and tajweed and 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 qiraat and all these things it's very difficult to find one person that's mutqin and all that when yet the problem is going to be a person that's going to be telling people about inheritance and international mm. relations and everything in mm. detail for mm. everyone to analyze until the end of time. He's being told you cannot do that except by what? Bismik. Bismik, bismik Allahumma. Yeah, yeah, Allah. With your name, which is nothing. I mean, what is it? You're saying it. And so mm. for us, it's quite an interesting that a lot of our, you know, our teachers, Malag, grant them the best place in Jannah. You know, they always, every small thing, Bismillah, even if it's inaudible, you could tell they were saying every single small mundane thing was Bismillah. There was something of an, 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 a connection to this chapter. Everything was Bismillah. So, Iqra Bismi Rabbika Ladi Khalaq. So, Iqra Bismi Rabbika Ladi. This is a concept that is quite a, um, it's a soft concept which you need to relate to your life. Mm. How do you, benefit or what difference does it make when you say bismillah why is it so so what you've done is you've you've given over and what you've done is if you do if you understand it properly yeah remember if you understand it properly the proper understanding is when the person you know the person didn't tie the camel the person said tie your camel and then rely so Mm. it's like you know, President Erdogan does this all the time. He opens like um, nuclear factories and air, airports and and you know all these big big projects. They've done all the work, hmm. <laughs> and he says Hadi Bismillah. You know, he he cuts the ribbon and he says, okay, in the name of Allah. Hmm. You know, hmm. meaning what? You've done all the you've you've done everything, but you know that it will not reach its aim. It will not reach its purpose unless it's done hmm. for the right reasons. And it's like that's the point where he's he's you know focusing everyone's int- intention on what the purpose is, and so that's the same thing here. Iqra, you know, it could just be Iqra, al Akram, you know, read and your Lord is generous. It's not that. Yeah, it's not saying read and your Lord is generous, missing the whole thing of the Bismillah. It doesn't make it makes completely different meaning. It's the thing that we have to then do is. Okay, you strive, you plan, you work, and then you hand over the honor of blessing it to God. Like, this is the best we have of Allah. Make it fruitful, make it beneficial. And if you do that every single aspect of your life, like you drinking a sip of water, bismillah, it's like you got the water, you ensure it's clean, 
and you've done due diligence and earning it and, and so on and so forth in the right way. And then you drink it, you're hoping that, that the consuming it and what comes out of the strength from consuming it, if you're breaking your fast, when you're drinking it, you think Bismillah, you're praying essentially that, okay, the energy and nourishment I get from this and the food that I eat is now going to project me into something that pleases God. Because you can recite for other it, 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 It's not just an act of your speech to your tongue. Your heart needs to be in sync with it. You're yeah, I mean, that's a, tra a training, isn't it? It's a question of training because it's very difficult for, for you constantly to be in your heart, to be in understanding exactly what you're saying. If you say mm -hmm. Bismillah in the name of Allah and you understand mm -hmm. the majesty of Allah at that moment, it's, and if you're doing it every single point, it's very difficult. But the thing is, you know, our religion is such a beautiful religion because it, it, it lets you off with a lot because it says, essentially, if you do small things, your every part of your body, subconsciously and consciously, physically and metaphysically, will be going in the right direction because your tongue yeah, is saying it. It, it. Like, it your has mind an is saying it. Yeah, it has an effect. It's like using, you know, when the Prophet used to do the... Um, Count the, the what we call the salawat al fatimiyah after the prayer. Subhanallah, mm, alhamdulillah. He, he used to use his fingers, mm. and one of the blessings of scholars mentioned of that is that he used to touch the fingers in a way that he would. The blessing of saying it would would extend to his the fingertips. Subhanallah. Do you know? Do you understand? That, so he gave sadaqah to the fingertips. And it's true for us. Yeah, absolutely, because you're 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 saying it. You're thinking it, so your mind is having, your neurologically, your mind is being, you know, we're creating neurological pathways. You know, this is one mm. of the things that neurology tells us about the way that we speak and what we do in certain situations. In a state of tranquility after prayer, if you say something, it creates pathways, which, inshallah, the whole idea, I would imagine, would be that, you know, when you're about to die, the last neurological activity of your, of your, of your body is la ilaha illallah. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Like that's the most common thing it's 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 used to saying. Not oh so my god. Saying, are we saying or, that it's a oh repetition? So rationale for this long adhkar and kind of um uh, almost mukashifa or uh, you're sitting in some kind of place where you're focusing for an hour or so. Is there a rationale based on this what you've said? that your mind gets in sync with your heart and what you are saying. So practice. Yeah, you might know everything, not just mind, heart. I'm talking body. I'm talking just sitting. Like your body is 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 imprisoned in a place by your by your by your mind and your decision making to say you're stopping. Like your mm. body, the body can do so many different things. You're, we're going to stop here. We're going to put down our tools. Mm. And the effect of that is obviously in decision making, in 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 fortitude. Like Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he, it was said about him by um, Hafid al-Bazar, I think it was, that after praying the Fajr, he used to sit and do the, the repetition, the word of Al-Fatiha until Ishraq. Hmm. So Al-Fatiha, which we all know, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, continuously all the way through. He It's not as if he was practicing it because... <laughs> Just in case he made, made a mistake in, in prayer because he, didn't, he forgot it, it was because he the meanings he wanted his body to submit, his heart, everything to submit to that. And when he was asked about it, he says, This is a nourishment that gives us the energy to continue. 
you know, so something as simple as Al-Fatiha, which everybody knows, Ibn Taymiyyah used to do it constantly. This is an innovation of, of, of sorts. But the reason he's doing that is to is to is to is to make the body submit. It's mm-hmm. it's it functions to something else. And this is why I think for us it's very important that we cannot be either or. We can't be people that are Kisbi or Wahhabi. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a heresy that Islam came to rectify. That you can't just claim everything for yourself and think if if it doesn't go right, it, you're to blame. It just wasn't meant to be. Meaning it wasn't written by Allah. Not that I failed and I'm hopeless and I'm I'm a disgrace to everybody. No, if you try, uh, you know, and you rely on Allah in doing it and you say Bismillah, that's sufficient. And the other thing is just to sit under a tree and, you know, to do yoga meditation. <laughs> because even Maryam, alayhi salam, when she was in a state of giving birth to the Prophet Isa mm-hmm. salatu yes. you know she didn't sit there and like a yoga pose and, and say oh Allah you didn't you know just like bring the food bring the dates bring yeah. the water Allah says Huzi ilayki I mean, she, she the, the, the palm tree yeah I mean shake the, the roots of the, the palm tree to saqit alayki they will then fall upon you it will come down only if you do it not sit there and we will give them to you which happened when she was just sitting in the cloister in in Jerusalem, worshiping, and everything came without her doing anything. And yeah. then when she needs to, she needs Allah to give her, her things free and without her striving. Allah says, "No, I'm sorry, you have to strive." Strive. Why, even even Maryam she had to strive to give birth to what was. Yeah, she had to birth. give. Yeah, absolutely. So, hmm. To give birth to the the, the, the Prophet of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Prophet Isa, who had no father. In a situation where she was helpless, in the in in the midst of summer, thirsty, with no nourishment, no nutrition, at that point, that in her life, the whole life that she needed divine help, Allah says, "No, I'm sorry, you need you need to kiss, right. you need to acquire." It. And this is why Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani he writes a book, Kitab al-Kasb, on the the book on acquiring things. It's a bit trade actually. And he writes this narration. He talks about this. Sorry, could you repeat the name of the author? Uh, Imam Hamd ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. He's a student of Imam Abu Hanifa, the main student Imam of Abu Shaman. Hanifa, the main um, collator of his madhab, the, the person who authored the books is, on the is, last is madhab. translated in English, Urdu? Actually, I think it is being translated. One of my friends, uh, Dr. Adi Seti from Malaysia, I, I believe he did translate this. I think he gave me a copy as well. But Kitab I've got the Kisab. Arabic... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be in in in, in Urdu as well because Muhammad ibn Hassan is is the most important name in the in the Hanafi madhab after Abu Hanifa. So if they haven't, you should tell the ulama in Pakistan to translate it. They might benefit well, for the Imam economic Shabani, policy at least. <laughs> Kitab al Kasb. Oh, that that actually brings us to a very interesting segment after this ad break. People are listening. This is eighth of Ramadan. Eighth. Day of Ramadan, 30th of March, 2023. Iftar in Glasgow is going to be 7.57. I'm your host, Zubair Akram, with my guest, Sheikh Radwan Muhammad. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. 
Created man from a clinging substance. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. پڑھو اے نبی اپنے رب کے نام کے ساتھ جس نے پیدا کیا تمہیں جمے ہوئے خون سے ایک لوچڑے سے انسان کی تخلیق کی پڑھو اور تمہارا رب بڑا کریم ہے جس نے قلم کے ذریعے سے علم سکھایا انسان کو وہ علم دیا جسے وہ نہ جانتا تھا شیخ السلام علیکم اگین وعلیکم السلام اوکے just something has clicked right these five ayahs these five ayahs are exactly what we have been talking about i don't know it was intentional well, what do you I think we were realize. talking about i didn't realize i didn't realize what, what i've just realized it now that iqra bismi rabbikal ladhi khalaqs right so read in the name of your lord khalaqal insana min alaq who has created and then God is Kareem for the fact that he has taught us knowledge through Kalam. Mm. So Kasab. And he has taught us something that we did not know. He taught us something that we did not know. Mm. And you mentioned Kasab and you, you mentioned economic policy. And the, that reminds me of Shah Waliullah. So Shah Waliullah's work, his entire work, what I understand, the summary of it is economic policy. How people deal with each other in terms of economy, money. Most of his work is around that. Hmm. It is so important. Are you asking or are you telling I'm, me? I'm asking, I'm asking. <laughs> I'm well, trying to va- validate what I think I know. Well, Shavali Dahliyavi is a polymath, so where he did you know um amazing work on the quran and it's and it's kind of translation he did amazing work on reintroduction of hadith into the subcontinent scholarly circles which actually is one of his most momentous momentous uh, introductions like the fact that the subcontinent was very poor in hadith studies until he he wrote about the tabaqat of the books of hadith you know splitting it between imam malik's motta bukhari and muslim at the highest level to the Sunan, to the collection of Ahmad, and then the, the kind of tarikh work. So he he introduced this whole importance of um, hadith, um, spirituality as well. He refined and introduced Akbarian uh, metaphysics, Muhyiddin um, al-Arabi's metaphysics. But your issue of economics is important because when he looked at the rise and fall of Islam or the or the or the reason for the fall of any community, he put it down to economics actually. Not to religious, you know, kind of being religious. religiously astray. Yeah. Religiously astray, you go astray from Jannah. Let's mm. get this clear. You could be the most, you could, you know, I was reading, what was I reading? Um, watching something. It was about the fact that in the next 20, in the next 20 years, NASA plans to have a a kind of presence on Mars. In other words, they have, you're going to have out, outposts in Mars. Elon Musk is also 
whole purpose of his expeditions is to have people living on Mars. Hmm. And so th that you would say, well, that's success. That's that's the, that's where we need to be. That's where Muslim nations need to be. We need to win more Nobel Peace Prizes. We constantly be, are being told by um, Islamophobes and anti-Muslim hate creatures, constantly told how, how few Nobel Prizes Muslims have. You know, there is an aspect of, you know, civilizations which develop and, and have strength, which is based upon those things. But for us, you know, um, ultimate ultimate um, benefit, ultimate success is, is hereafter. Okay. But Shawli al-Dahlawi, when he mentions the fall of civilizations and nations, he says economics is at the core because it's to do with um, cronyism, it's to do with a lack of transparency, it's to do with evasion of tax tax payments. You know, all, and I was reading today, actually, just, just five minutes before we went on about the, the Premier League apparently being involved in in not paying billions in taxes because of a, a double contract um, clause that they have with agents. And so, you know, the moment that your economy is not transparent, everything falls apart because everyone has to eat, everyone has to drink, everyone has to buy a house, everyone has to buy clothes, like there's basic human necessities. And when we talk about a cost of living crisis, the reason why that is important is because it's a cost of living like you cannot live, you can't heat your house, you can't give your children food to eat. This is not in 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 a, some um, developing country. This is in Western Europe, hmm. where children are having to live in in houses where the damp conditions lead to respiratory um, ailments, which cause their death. In the twenty first century, in Western Europe, this is what we're talking hmm. about. So, the way that civilization is brought crashing to to the ground is when there's no economic justice when the rich remain get richer and the poor are structurally you know tied into being poorer constantly there's nothing they can do about it and so shawli dahlawi you're right in that sense that in terms of civilizations he places a lot of almost all emphasis on the rise and fall of civilizations on on economic transparency or lack thereof mhm mm and so, yeah, so Kasib is such an interesting thing that, you know, our, our religion is one that is Kasib. We have to strive and struggle. And even if you look at the issue of Iqra, Iqra is, it essentially means to recite or to read. For the Prophet, it meant more properly to recite because he was doing it from his heart. But for us, it's from something, which means you need to have teachers, you have to have students, you need to have institutes, you need to have structured, you have to have curriculum, you have to have books, you have to have a whole infrastructure of education. And so from Iqra also comes everything we have today. If Elon Musk is trying to get to Mars, it's because Muslim scholars analyze the, the celestial realms to map out where everything is because they needed to find out when the prayer times were. Hmm. So Muslim civilization was always a civilization that tied in knowledge of the, the hereafter with this world. But that, that's that's interesting that even the, the 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 seeking of knowledge was to fulfill an act of deen, worship. Yes, yeah, science, science like Ramadan. Why do we have fights in Ramadan? Yeah, <laughs> like the, the beginning of Ramadan. It's because we have martial arts. Our Muslim scholars are so um, well equipped with the knowledge of astronomy that they can have intricate discussions about the the birth of the moon. 
I'm joking, but you know, it used to be that they could have hour-long discussions about the, you know, the diffraction of the sun and 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 the moon and and, and all these kind of things. But you know, that's not the case anymore. It used to be the re mm. the reason why they wanted to map out the the celestial world was to to come to some understanding of when do you stop eating, you know, for suhoor, or when do we start praying zuhur, for example. It was as it is now, it's almost to the to the, to the to the millisecond exactly what Muslim scholars, you know, calculated it to be. And so what they passed it down through Muslim Spain, and it's well documented through the universities that were set up, copied, and this is the interesting thing about it, it's um Professor um Maqdisi, he wrote a whole PhD work and then books on the, the fact that every university in Western Europe was was mirrored on universities in the Muslim world in terms of literature and arts and also science. So, you know, medicine, study of the natural world was copied and pasted from the Muslim world. Study of arts, literature, languages and the, and the, and the liberal arts were copied and pasted from the Muslim world. And then they took it and ran with it without the restraints of morality. Essentially what happened is that they cut the... They cut any moral element from it, and they basically, you know, pushed the boundaries more and more. And Muslims remained, you know, they they still played by the rules of morality in some way. And this, I think, is something that's quite important. That you know, Muslims are, you know, as a, as a ummah, in a mater materially less advantageous position because they started to play the old game they were playing, whereas the West generally start to play another game. It's like somebody, you're both playing drafts. You know, drafts is very simple rules. Mm. Every piece has the same ability to move. Mm. And imagine you're playing with somebody and, and they're playing drafts, you're playing drafts, and it's, it's fairly even. If you're a better player, you'll win. So Muslims are winning the majority of human civilization. And then all of a sudden, you give, you know, something extra to the other side and they start playing chess with you. So all mm. of a sudden... You know, all your pieces are being taken in, you know, seconds. Mm -hmm. But we, but the agreement was we would play according to the rules of draft. So, you know, we, we, the agreement was we shouldn't be playing this other Chess. game because, because the thing is, this other game which the West is playing, it, it, it's, it's, we, we, we do it and we see it and we don't see it. It is going so fast in its hedonism and its quest for progress that it's going to implode. Environmentally, economically, socially, psychologically, spiritually already we know that. But economically, you know, um, you know, in terms of um, you know the 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 environment, in terms of human interactions, all this is going to, I would say, completely disintegrate. And this is something that everybody knows. It's just that you don't talk about. You talk about cycles of economic boom and bust, but. <laughs> There's a limit to how much debt you can place upon the earth because the debt has to be has to be financed through extracting more resources from the earth. That's the basic economic bottom line of it. If you want to know what it is, it's exactly that. That you have to you have to get more productivity from the earth, which is not capable of, of doing. It's like making a person in the 80s work a heavy shift manually every day. At some point, that person's going to die because of the amount of pressure you placed upon their shoulder and so th i think the big thing is in kasb and wahab this discussion is 
if you all if all you do is kasbi and you just acquire and you acquire acquire it, at some point that's going to come back and really haunt you because Allah says in the Quran that destruction and and um, fitan have spread within the in the skies and the and the earth on account of what human beings have acquired done not what god has given them god has given them everything if you look at the other aspect of this you know all the blessings that allah has given us the quran enumerates them again and again within the heavens and the earth and the oceans everything is is given for your use plentifully as a blessing and what do we do we 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 this is Wahhabi. We don't we don't create the, the ozone layer. We don't create the oxygen levels. We don't create the the plenteous water supplies and the fruits and everything. We just acquire. Like we uh, we might plant them. Sheikh, sorry. I mean, there, there is this thing, right? Where there's something in our psychology, in our psyche, Muslim psychology, that overemphasis on Wahhabi, and there is. Um, less on kasabi, and then that's the result that we are witnessing just now. Uh, we become complacent, everything is given, uh, taqdeer is what determines, tawfiq is given to us sometimes, and sometimes we don't have tawfiq, and this is impeding the progress of human mind, impeding the progress of a nation, whereas West they're single-minded they're straight track to progress no matter what we need to progress and there is no wazifa there is no kind of uh, you know sitting down and just doing zikr for like next two three hours whatever is needed to progress needs to be done whereas a muslim mind is in a state of confusion all the time mm. i mean to be honest my five episodes with you is that confusion i'm trying to understand what do i need to do mm -hmm. to progress to achieve what's my duty i feel that i can never compete with people who are less aware of religion mm -hmm. more you get aware of re re religiosity religion uh you, you're trying to understand your deen i've heard from you you know well, why is gdp important is not so what's the big deal if you have less gdp or you know uh, if 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 economics of a country is not up to the standards of the western standards but yet we have shawaliullah who's writing his core writing is economics mm -hmm. so th there is this confusion the the, the human uh, the muslim mind is in you you can't rely on all the tools available you you, you don't access there's a debate do you access bank loans do you not to what extent is it greed is it progress mm -hmm. so how do we address this how do we understand this yes so the, the thing is that this is a question of balance it's a question of what is the balance that we should be aiming for between spiritual health community health community well-being which is something that nowadays in the west that a lot of the most advanced nations in the west like sweden and denmark talk about a lot which is social contentment social cohesion um satisfaction in work and the work life balance and all these things and they've realized that the whole idea of gdp like the, the chinese model is all about increasing gdp gdp and having an economy that's constantly growing 
at 5%, 6% a year, for example, per annum. Now, there's a contrast there because on, on, the, on the one society is going for production and economic indicators that are, you know, mm. according to standard economic theory to be, you know, achieved. And in fact, even those, you can't grow your economy too fast. So there's you you can't go beyond ten because that your 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 community will and your society will not be able to keep up um, in, in the production that overheats the economy. So there's all these things you have to have a balance. And so the balance is that in Islam we have this thing that it's 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 basically you're doing it for a purpose. Like why are you doing increasing your GDP? Is it to alleviate poverty? Is it to give people opportunity? Is it to creates uh, infrastructure for health and, and, and social care is it you know essentially that's what it's about mm -hmm. so okay if you have massive gdp and you have a whole like in america for example a whole substrata which is like 25 to 30 percent of your population living hand to mouth in debt mm -hmm. i mean this is in debt this is below hand to mouth <clears throat> You know, healthcare and and social deprivation, living essentially in places that are no go areas. Is that the kind of society you want? So it's a question of, in Islam, you have this. At least you have this idea of balance, which is you have this understanding that there's a, there's a time for your spirit and there's a time for your body, and then the balance is to do it with justice, and that's will create. So a, you a, said time. There's a time for your spirit and there's a time for your body. But then yeah, finding a balance by a Muslim mind who is not kind of well equipped with this knowledge is the issue here. Yeah, it's a difficult. I understand. I agree because when a person says they need to be, you know, religious, it goes overboard. It, it gets to the point where it actually is detrimental to their body and their relationships with their family and friends and their productivity and the reliability it happens like that because yeah. part of it is that your religiosity should actually mean that you equate everything and balance everything the rights of other people mm. and so the worship is in serving our worship is in being a good um you know manager or a good employer or a good employee so all, all these aspects are, are actually very very important that's what religion tells you to do it informs how you're worldly actions will be better have you lost the tools yeah yeah because if you're As more religious we have lost the tools yeah yeah if you're more religious it should tell you how to do good business it should show you how you give back to your community how you recycle your wealth how you invest your wealth mm -hmm. because you know even like if you talk about zakat zakat is all about redistributing of wealth by not hoarding wealth and the thing, the thing is you know it's a complete sidetrack which came to my mind Zakat is not to give 2.5%. The message of Zakat is not to give 2.5%. The message of Zakat is to tell people who have wealth that they have, you shouldn't just have it. You should invest it. You mm. should keep it moving in your circle so that people are employed through your wealth. If you keep it, you'll, you'll, it will decrease. Mm. That's the message of Zakat. It's not, you know... Well, Muslims in Ramadan need to pay 2.5%. It's telling them, look, if you have to pay 2.5%, you know, essentially there is something wrong. Because is, the Prophet is, is, you know, the Prophet never, so the Prophet never paid zakat. So, so, hmm. 
because it said he, that Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, never paid zakat. Allahu Akbar. And he's okay. a he's very famous for being a trader. Yeah. Um Ayyubi, I read I read from one of his biographers, never paid zakat. Mm. Because his wealth was quite, not that he didn't he was he was he found some kind of loophole. They never their wealth was constantly moving, so they were never obliged to pay zakat. Mm-hmm. Like it was constantly it never came making, to a point. It never came yeah, it never point. came to a point where they, you know, if they if they called all if they liquidized all their assets, they would, be, you know, Imam Abu Hanifa would be a millionaire. Mm. But it was a fact that everything was engaged in creating wealth for other people. Ah, that's a religious. Important. That's a religious life. I mean, no, no, to be honest, Im- that's important. a religious life. But important concept. You said creating wealth. So wealth creation is something which is required. And to create wealth is not earning a livelihood. You know, there are two different concepts. Mm. You earn a livelihood and you create wealth. They're two different mindsets. Are we saying that Imam Abu Hanifa had a mindset of wealth creation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the what came out of what f- came out of it was he earned a livelihood. Like he yeah. sustained himself. He was able to like Abu Han- Abu Yusuf, his most famous student. He bankrolled his education. Even though his mother came to him. To Abu Hanifa complaining and said, How dare you take my son away from working and earning a living for us? And he said to he said to her, Your son, and he was about 12 years old, he said, Your son will sit in the court of the Khalifa and he will eat um, sweet pastry from turquoise plates. <laughs> mm. Mm. And she was saying, Abu this this Abu Hanifa has definitely lost his marbles. Okay. So, but he, Abu, Abu, and so Abu, Abu Hanifa said, I'll pay your son every day to attend the classes. And Abu Yusuf later on, this is when he was during the absent period, he was in the court of uh, Harun al-Rashid. And Harun al-Rashid asked or ordered some food to be brought. And amongst that was plates, turquoise plates with, you know, exactly what Abu Hanifa described. He, 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 he not prophesied, he kind of, yeah, you could say prophesied the fact that mm-hmm. that would happen. And Abu Hanif, Abu Yusuf was laughing in the court of Harun al-Rashid. And Harun al-Rashid said, "What's wrong with you? What's nothing funny here?" And he said, "I just remember what Abu Hanif, Abu Hanifa said to my mother." So, hmm. you know, so Abu Hanifa was there to, you know, earn a living as a byproduct of creating wealth. Hmm. And so, hmm. kasab is is one of these things you have to, you have to acquire. You can't sit under a tree and expect. You can't. Do a, sh- a, sh- a shabby job and expect you can't cut corners and expect the best. You can't make things and and make them substandard and expect that you everyone can't. will, you know, it will take over the market. You can't because that's not how the world works. The world works based upon the evolution of ideas and and the kind of small incremental changes that things are to to things that are made to make it better. I think the 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 best we do. We had a joke in in in, in Syria. Where you know we, I think it's one of my Arab, Arab friends from Syria actually said this to me that the Arabs um, do research and development on how to make baklava. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like the next shop will do a different type of baklava with a different type of pastry with different mix, and then that will be research okay. and development of the next generation will be passed down. And whereas the West is doing R and D on you know, you know how to kill people. And he, it well, was, he well, was saying it, well, well. you know. No, but there is there is R and D. Uh, okay, there is R and D in all aspects. I mean, the, the the health system of the West is unmatched, unparalleled. I would say 
it's um, when you start living in places which is not in the West, you realize what's what was there. Yeah, that's systems as well. That's systems. That's not even research and development. That's systems. You have systems in place that process, like a patient, how to process a patient. Like in in the in outside the West, when somebody's ill, the big problem I I think, and this is actually to do with cusp as well, is to do they don't know how to process a patient efficiently, and so they have they have amazing. You'll know they have amazing hospitals in Pakistan. Yeah, and in in Turkey they have the same thing. But the issue is not that. The issue is of processing systems. It, and that's why I said, it, I think, did I say in this program or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, I might have said it in this on program or somewhere else. That the, the, the British, when they conquered uh, the, the India subcontinent, the way that they conquered it was basically through systems. Yeah. Planning through systems. The, 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 the people, the local people didn't have systems in place to rule. Mm. Mm. The, the British just brought a system. <laughs> that's it. Mm. A, 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 an efficient system to rule people mm. and rule them with an iron fist. And so, so Iqra Bismi Rabbi Khalaq. It is sight in the name of your Lord who created created man from a clot of blood. It is sight, and your Lord is most generous, who taught by the pen, taught man what he did not know. Final few moments of uh, today's iftar reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. This bit of philosophical conversation, how does it, what does it mean to me as a person who's about to open my fast in the next 10 minutes? Yeah, so I think um, this chapter is all about, you know, what foot do you put forward first? Like, how do you start, when you do something, what's your first intention? What's your first move? What's your first thought? And this chapter is telling you that when whatever you do, whether you feel it's impossible to do or whether it's something that's beyond your capacity to do you start with invoking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because without that whatever you attempt to do will essentially either not not succeed or will happen without having given fruits that you wanted the fruits that you wanted hmm. so the Muslim the cultural aspects of our faith are such that even our children we we inculcate within them the idea of bismillah you know you start something did you say bismillah when you eat, did you say Bismillah? The Prophet said that every single action that is not started with Bismillah is 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 cut off. Why is the Prophet saying that? He's just getting you in the habit of getting you to understand that Kasab is, is not sufficient. You have to tie it in with consecrating it, giving it blessing, giving it meaning beyond its 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 mundaneness. Like you're eating for, for breaking the fast. That's a mundane thing. You just need sugar and a bit mm. of liquid but Rough. for what for what and when you're fasting you're you're just you're meditating over the quality of allah that is allah is samad he is not in need of anything i'm in need i need to eat now to get on with the time after iftar so samad is in arabic classically it was you know imam Mahalli actually mentions this that is man la jawfala, that is the one that has no stomach didn't need a stomach god didn't need stomach Seems a very strange definition. Allah Samad. Allah Samad. Yeah, it, it seems a de- strange definition, but essentially is that because if you need a stomach, you're tied. You're tied. You can't just walk into the forest. Hmm. You can't just do whatever you want. You're tied. Times, place, relationships, work, everything. There's something that's tying everybody down. 
It might just be relationships, it might be love, it might be guilt, it might be unseen things, but everyone's tied in by something. And so all the Bismillah does, it, it cuts away all those shackles that people have because it gives meaning, it gives purpose, it gives purpose to you which is beyond yourself. It's like when you say Bismillah, it's as if you're not just a small speck in the cosmos, you are now a speck which is connected to the whole cosmos. Mm. That you are important because you've connected to the one that created the cosmos. But if you just eat mm. and drink and forget Allah, then all you are is a speck in the cosmos which will grow biologically, re -pro procreate, be buried back into the ground and basically dissolve. And is that mm. the purpose of life? You know, is, that, is that the purpose of life? Uh, Sheikh, so before we end, uh, a little announcement. Kitabul Kasb of Imam Shabani is available in Urdu. One of our listeners have texted me. Mashallah, it's on P quick. PDF and it's there. And people who are looking to read, uh, they can contact us. People Inshallah. looking to read, mashallah. <laughs> Read this book. Allahumma ya Rabb, make, make us people that read. <laughs> Subhanallah. Thank you so much, Sheikh. Inshallah, uh, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Jazakallah khair. Salam alaikum. With another alaikum salam wa rahmatullah.